My name is Matt Brown. Hassoon is coming to zeros on the clock. And Dan Hurley is taking his UConn team to the final four. And let's start the show. Forrest, cash right through the heart. Three-point game. Kansas State now needs a three to tie it. Clock ticks. Noel dribbles. He's looking for someone. Masood got to put it up. a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, March 30th, 2023. The best weekend in March Madness is here. The Final Four weekend out of Houston, Texas, UConn versus Miami, Florida Atlantic University versus San Diego State University, and oh baby, we are in for a treat. And before we break down and preview the final four, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all our social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdCombo Pod, and we're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Three, count them, three games left. Final Four game at 6 o'clock. Final Four game at 8.50 on Saturday night. And we have a 4, two fives, and a 9 seed. And it's led to nothing but incredible entertainment for everybody. This tournament had it all. Cinderella stories. Underdogs overcoming huge favorites. Teams who looked bleak, making big comebacks and making a name for themselves. And now we're here. And now we have the best crew across all podcasts and platforms. We have the productive college basketball team. Brandon and Alex are here. Hayden had an obligation. So we are going to break down these two stellar matchups. And let me just use our talents to speak for ourselves. Let us break down these matchups. Let us predict who's going to be the national champion in Division I men's college basketball. And let us enjoy this ride together. Time to break down the final four and preview it once and for all. Brandon and Alex, it's your guys' turn. Let's do it. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. The final four is taking place in Houston, Texas. Who would have thought a four seed? Two five seeds and a nine seed make up your final four. Miami versus UConn, FAU versus SDSU. So let's bring it down with our crew. Alex Rinelli and Britta Gutierrez are here. What's up, guys? How we doing? What's up, buddy? Let's get it going. What's up? So, yes, the Sweet 16 was a lot of fun to watch. The Elite Eight was a lot better. And uh, you guys must be as excited as it gets. Am I right? Yep. Definitely. Fuck yeah, man. It's been it's been pure dominance. Yeah. Oh man. Gotta say that. For sure, for sure. And uh, there's a lot to do. It would be a short but sweet show. And don't forget to tune in on Tuesday. Sorry, tune in on Wednesday to see our reaction to the championship game. And um, like I said, it's been a great journey. This has been a very fun tournament. And I and 
Final Four. I think there's only what, like 30 people nationally on these official online brackets that predicted it for whatever reason. But uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. So let us get into our two matchups. Let's talk about the first matchup. The FAU Owls versus the San Diego State Aztecs. And the first question I have to ask with this matchup, guys, before we break it down itself, does San Diego State deserve to be here? And why do I ask that? During their Elite Eight matchup in their regional final against Kansas State, and the very last second, it was a tied game. And with 1.2 seconds, FAU players takes a shot, and he's fouled. Now he, you do see some contact. This literally is the Super Bowl's um, final. This is literally the Super Bowl play with James Bradbury and Juju Smith, but this time it's college basketball in the lead eight. So we do see contact there, and um, unfortunately, they got two shots. They made the two shots, and that's all it took. And San Diego State is going to be playing in Houston this weekend. So with that controversial call, I will ask again, does San Diego State even deserve to be here amongst that egregious call? Uh, yes, and no. I want Kansas State to win, but uh, I think they do. I, I It was a last-second call, but I think after – watching your review he did get technically you know you could say it was like one of those calls that didn't need to be called but in that situation how tight the game is it he did follow him so i see yeah. both sides of it so in that you either call they would either call the refs would or situations that the refs would have done in that situation you're going to get flat for either one either not getting you know calling it or calling it, I think that it's there's no. I don't think there's no better outcome from either side of that call. I think that the refs had the right. It was not like it was a blatant foul that, or like a, a it blatantly was not a foul, and they, you know, it was a bad call. There was contact, so it, you know, the call is backed up by proof, so you can't really argue with that. I think it's just the inconsistency with the calls. It's it's very much the same as the Super Bowl call where there's always going to be that kind of tugging right around the midsection. Um, it's a matter of whether it you know <laughs> changes receiver's position. Same thing with the shooter. I thought that they could have called it. Uh, they they didn't have to call it, but um, it definitely would have played into the benefit of the referee's hands if they had overtime, um, especially if he didn't make it because it looked like the shot was clearly going to be short. Um, I, I don't like the call, but I understand the call by the letter of the law. So it is what it is. You know what I mean? Creighton had a great run, and you just got to be a little. Sm- I mean, you just got to be a little smarter. That's all. Yeah, I think in that situation, he didn't necessarily like. If you think about it, he just he he didn't play smart right there. There was no reason to blatantly foul. And I think in last second, he thought he was doing the right thing, ended up hurting them in the long run. Yep. Yeah, clearly plays like these put refs in a bad position because they do have to do their job. And when you have that literal two seconds to decide while you're nervous, while officials across all sports have a huge microscope under them, it's 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 hard to really fault at this ref. I'm not going to uh, say that. But I probably, if I was a Creighton fan, I would probably think the opposite. Just going <laughs> exactly. me. But it, it's it is an unfair double edged sword, but it 
if you want to be that person to say, oh, why are you tied in this game? Why aren't you blowing him out at this point? It, it, it's a long, winding conversation that will... Exactly. It's like a double-edged sword. No matter the situation the ref would have called, he would have gotten flack from either one. Either, oh, you didn't call that when that was a foul. You're holding back. Or if he called it, oh, you didn't need to call it. There's always... A, it's a double-edged sword for refs. I think, like... It, it, no matter, like you said, they're under a microscope. So, like any any call they do is going to get flack because uh, just hardcore fans, just they, you know, they they want to be biased towards their team and they want the call that favors them. So, yep. mad, mad, mad world out there. But in the end, San Diego State pulled it off. Hayden was unavailable tonight, but we can't celebrate because he did actually call this get team. And, uh, I saw a lot of people literally laugh at that, but San Diego State is there. The FAU Owls are a Cinderella story that no one's talking about. They are a team in the final for the first time ever, going this team deep for the first time ever. And look at them now. So the first matchup we can discuss here is yep. FAU. Florida Atlantic University versus San Diego State University. This matchup, guys, what really interests you about these two schools going at it? I just can't get a read off of FAU. Every time I think they're gonna, you know, this they're gonna bow out, they just continue to clutch and 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 you know yeah, right? uh, outshine anything I say. You know, I they're I think they just have some really great guards, and uh, you know, uh, I think they're another team like UConn, which has somewhat of a pretty pretty good bench where you know their consistency on defense continues even when their starters are not in um uh i just i, I think right now i think they're <clears throat> what's helping them is that they have range when it comes to offensive scoring they you know they're able to score in the paint they do have the three point uh shot as well so i think their offensive flow is working right now even though in the regular season, they were one of the worst offensive teams in the country. But uh, I, I can't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know what to say. San Diego State, on the other hand, has been playing outstanding as well. So I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to come down to I think like one or two possessions. And uh, I, I, I honestly don't know who. I, I keep wanting to say, you know, FAU is going to bow out. And San Diego State is going to win it, but I think I'm going to go FAU on that point. Yeah, and I also I forgot to to mention San Diego State at the moment are two point favorites. Yeah, I think yeah. over under I think it's 132 right now. <clears throat> um, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go opposite on Brandon here. I think San Diego State is the more complete team. I think they're they're hot at the right time. I think their lockdown defense all throughout the tourney and through the regular season has really put them a step above the rest of the competition, and I think that's going to show out here. Um, I think the one thing with Florida Atlantic, the reason that they put everybody on their heels is because, like Brandon said um, at the outset, like they have six players with one assist or more versus K-State. Like Anybody can get a bucket, but also everybody can move without the ball and score, and they can make the play at the right time. So if you're FAU, you got to spread the ball around, play inside out with um, with Golden, make him be the focal point, almost like a Dwight Howard Magic uh, Orlando Magic situation where you have shooters all over the place and you just play outside in basketball and make San Diego State defend the perimeter. They only go eight deep on the roster. 
wear them out, use the whole shot clock. Their defense is their primary resource. So make sure to max them out on that. And for San Diego State, the, the way they can, you know, win this game is they've got five guys over six foot seven. Like they clearly have the wingspan. They can lock down this team if they choose to. It's just a matter of endurance and pace and how they want to play on offense. Because at the end of the day, you have to preserve yourself if you're a defender. It's going to wear wear you down as the game progresses. Um, I, I think that you have to move the ball um, inside out with the bigs and shift FAU's guards off the defense, you know, Make make them make them collapse in the paint and get guys in foul trouble early, particularly Golden. If you hyper focus on on him, the whole team goes small ball, and you have the advantage for the rest of the game. I think that between Butler and Dra- and Trammell, they have to combine for thirty five in this game, <clears throat> whether it's twenty and fifteen or some combination of the two. I think that those two guys are the most key, important keys to this game for them to seal it. But at the end of the day, I got it sixty five sixty one San Diego State. Yeah, I think San Diego State's this is their game to win because of that stellar defense, as mentioned. You guys made incredible points from the start, but I just think um, and the only thing I have to add to that is defense with championships. Even though FAU is a classic, old school, fundamentally sound basketball team who hits, who checks marks everything. From great passing game to scores, but and uh, also a veteran team that has played with each other for a long time. But uh, San yep. Diego has been a, a stellar story, and I think they're going to um, prove that they're going to be deserving of this. So. And an important keynote to uh, to remember, too, is that FAU let, I mean, um, San Diego State, you know, it, well, well, first of all, if Florida Atlantic is going gonna, is gonna to create the upset, you got to have at least two guys for San Diego State get off and get in double digits. Only two guys in the Creighton game got more than double digit points, which was, I believe, Trammell and Butler. So it's like force them to make your their shots, and you'll be okay. But in order to do that, you really have to wear them down on the shot clock and, and execute your offense, even if there's no returns early on in the game. Right. Absolutely great point. So ultimately, our final picks here. I have San Diego State. Brad, did you have one more time? FAU. FAU and Alex, Woo. you have? San Diego State, 65-61. All right. And I'll throw the um a, a score of 77-61. to This could be a beatdown. It's going to be a 50 beatdown. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm throwing an absolute random prediction on that one, but let's go Aztecs. <laughs> Uh, just a tad bit. Uh, the FAU is leaving their conference next year. They're going to the AAC, uh, AAC, ACC or AAC? Probably. Yeah, I they're leaving that really quick. That'll be huge. Yes, they're they're leaving. So the the conversation is any money they win from the tournament is actually going to stay in conference. So they're <laughs> not even going to see that money. Yes, yeah, so to confirm, yeah. they are going. Um. Yes, the AAC, according to this, to become a full-time member. Yeah. So how so about any that? money and all that, they're all it's going to be left in. Uh, I don't know what conference they're in now. The U.S. USA Conference mm-hmm. USA. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, this is a great story from the Owls. It's just too bad schools like Princeton and FDU became the quote-unquote darlings, but I think the end of the road comes for them on this Final Four weekend, but props to them. 
But ultimately, I wouldn't be too sad if they uh, pulled it off either. But it'll be a very interesting game. And then at around 8.50, a real battle of two classic about two classic teams, two classic college French. Well, not French, it's college schools. But um, this is a lot of fun. The University of Connecticut versus the University of Miami. UConn Huskies versus the Miami Hurricanes. A Final Four matchup that has so much written on it. These You have one UConn team who has been up and down, but as soon as they got in the tournament, they've been doing nothing but kicking ass. I think the lowest margin they've won in this tournament is 15 points, one of the most dominant stretches in the history of this tournament. And the Miami Hurricanes, with a greatly coached team who has a bunch of young up-and-coming stars themselves that play hardcore basketball. It's a, a really great story for both schools to go at it, and how can you not be excited? But I have two of the biggest UConn fans in front of me. I think it's fair to say, and we're all Connecticut natives, where we are going with this. So first, before we talk about the matchup itself, just tell me about UConn's story, guys. Alex and Brandon, you have followed this team since tip-off, and now they're here in the Final Four. Tell me about your thoughts of their journey up until this point. I think they proved everyone wrong. Everyone had them bowing out after, like, the second round. Uh, I just I think people forget and, and take for granted because it was non-conference games in the beginning of the season, but they were the second uh, best team in the country, arguably, you know, number one Mm. at the time. I think people also understate how strong the Big East Conference is and how hard it is to play in that conference going up against some of the best teams in the country like Creighton, uh, Providence, or even um, Xavier on a regular basis and then on top of it, we played all three like I think all three or four of those teams back to back without a break that's when we went on our losing streak and uh as we saw after we got out of that we they came back strong and you know they're starting to look exactly like they were at the beginning of the season uh, uh playing non-conference teams and and winning yep. yeah and um you know the one thing that's always been a a high mark for, um, you know, for UConn basketball and winning championships has been senior guard play, leadership in the backcourt positions, um, guys that can be an extension of the coach on the floor. And I think for Dan Hurley, having guys like Newton and Aline who are, you know, hungry players that are vets that came into this with a lot on the line. Um, and then obviously Andre Jackson in his third year, you know, taking the reins as kind of like the unspoken leader. Um, those are the guys that really control um you know, the pace of, of this tournament for this team. And they've been able to kind of, you know, control, you know, from a defensive standpoint, everything that goes on, despite having such huge, um, huge uh, offensive outputs too. So it's not really about the scoring of this team. I think that their hallmark all season long has been defense, their tenacity, 50, 50 balls, situational offense, out of bounds plays. Um, that's really where they shine. And um, it's going to be a great game. Well, let's get into it. Absolutely. Let's get into it, guys. The Miami Hurricanes versus the Yukon Huskies. It'll tip off at around 8.50 on Saturday night. Yukon is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. And tell me, guys, we know where you are going with this. 
and I will join that too. I we want UConn to obviously beat Miami, but how are they going to do it? I think, like Alex said, it's defense. I think that's their strongest suit, being able to shut them down in the defense. And I think our offense is something different for a lot of teams because we don't play off the screen as most teams in college do. Uh, we, we play more of a motion offense where we constantly are running around, passing the ball and looking for errors to, uh, you know, either get it in the paint or, you know, get Jordan Hawkins open on the perimeter to make a three. Um, and uh, another key thing is, you know, I, I know I always say this is it's our bench. We, we have so much, on our bench that, you know, our, our star, our starters are never tired. So playing two halves is like nothing to them because you look, you can, you know, you can, you can play, um, Sonogo in the first half and then take them out. And we can still have elite, uh, play in the paint with clean being seven, seven foot two and being able to dominate, and he's shown that all tournament long that when he's in there, he takes advantage of his minutes and does what he needs to do on both sides of the court. Um, and then on top of it, we have so many elite guards or senior guards, like Alex said, with, you know, Newton, um, you know, coming on Andre Jackson, kind of kind of taking the role of being a facilitator and, and, and really focusing on not scoring, but doing the intangibles with assist and, and, rebounding and, and doing everything on the floor, like the dirty work. And then, you know, we have one of the best shooting guards, you could say, in the country with Jordan Hawkins. So I, ju- I just think it's we're just going to overwhelm Miami. I think um, it, it, it might be close in the first half, like all tournament has. But once UConn finds out how that team works, they're going to they're gonna beat them down, I think, and mm-hmm. really open up the gap in the second half. Brandon, you hit on some really important points about the formula for how UConn's going to win this game. I think setting the tempo and tone early, pounding inside with Sonogo, creating a dominant force. We know that Miami is a small team, so imposing their will early on and, you know, uh, you know, putting the onus on the refs to call plays, uh, call the fouls that are there on Sonogo and the bigs down low is going to be critical. I think that when you look at the Gonzaga game, UConn had 21 assists on 30 made field goals. That means evenly distributing the ball around, using the maximum amount of shot clock, wearing these guys out on the perimeter, all these tremendous guards they have, make them just exhaust themselves entirely through this game. I think that's the formula to win, particularly if you're talking about perimeter action and maximizing your offensive possessions. Um, The other thing, too, is, um, you know, don't don't get – don't get complacent. Don't rely on the three. If Hawkins gets early, don't rely on, you know, all these outside shots. They're always going to be there throughout the game. You really need to pound it inside and, and, and resort to what has been working all tournament long. And I think when you're talking about quality minutes from our bench, I think whatever combination of the following guys I'm about to mention, it's got to be three guys that at least give you solid eight minutes, 10 minutes in this game. It's got to be a combination of Aline, Caravan, Calcaterra, and Klingon. If you can get, three of those four guys, any combination, a solid 10 minutes of production on any, on any of those fronts. I think that they're going to, they're going to clinch this game early. Yeah. So you guys definitely agree. This will be like all their tournament games. They'll, it'll be offensive powerhouse, a defensive win and them shutting them down. And they'll just show their dominance. Like they have been. I think yep. the critical, yeah, the critical tipping point, I think, is going to be 
seeing what Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller do because they're going to cause a little bit of problems for, uh, for UConn's backcourt. Um, I think that starting Jackson and Newton collectively, maybe going you know one on one on each, both defensively, I think is probably a smart strategy for for Hurley in this game. And just see how it works for a four or five minute stretch. If they start breaking the man on man coverage, I would probably resort to a zone, but I would try that out, test it early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think that, well, I think our strongest suit is playing man to man, but yeah, I would definitely, uh, my biggest concern defensively right now would be, uh, Carabin. Uh, you know, he is one of the weaker players defensively being only a freshman and having to, you know, guard senior, you know, senior players. It is hard, you know, when you first come in, you know, you first come in, you're, you're playing against elite players that have been playing at the college level for some time and really know what to do. So I think Harbin needs to really be careful. I think he needs to play tight defense and not get beat. Um, I also look at Jordan Hawkins. I think one of the things that he's struggled a little bit with throughout the tournament is getting letting these fast, smaller guards get past him, uh, which can really hurt us because I think uh, Sonogo, Sonogo's weakness on defense is the over overhedging on, on screens and yeah. trying to help Hawkins or whoever needs the help. And then they end up, you know, uh, you know, Snow go over over hedges and they get paints uh, points in the paint. So really, that's going to be our our issue is really sticking to man to man, not letting people into the paint, and also foul trouble. Um, you know, I I think one thing we could say for sure is that we are very we're a really aggressive team with when it comes to shot blocking. So we just need to be careful when Wong and them try to drive in uh, that we don't foul and play clean cool. defense. Yeah, and I'm going to be looking particularly to that second or third TV timeout when Hurley kind of galvanizes the guys, whether they're you know ahead with a short lead or down in a, def- a small deficit. I would say to their guys, you know, keep things under control. Um, you know, with with fouls, don't, if guys beat you and get their shot, they're going to get their shot. But the reality is that when you look back at the Texas game, they were 28 of 32 from the free throw line. You can't let them live at the free throw line. If they get in the bonus early first or second half, you're going to have a long game trying to put these guys away. So you can't let them continue to feed off of you at the free throw line. And I think some of that starts with, you know, just being, being conservative, let like the outside guys beat you with poor quality shots. If they're going to shoot threes, don't let the put the bigs be pulled out from the paint. That's exactly what they want. They want penetration. So whether you're Klingon or Sonogo, the message from Hurley has to be don't be fooled by fool's gold coming out of the paint and 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 you know doubling down shooters. Let them get their shots. They're not high quality shots. And if they are, then you make adjustments. And just to uh highlight on the hurricane side, Jim Laranega. He has broken hearts of UConn fans before. You know, he was the coach of George Mason when they knocked him down. And do you think Jim Laranega with this particular team he has, can he somehow outcoach Dan Hur- Dan Hurley? I think <laughs> he looks for the longest time I thought he was Jim Beheim. So if he pretends to be Beheim, he can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you know, uh, he I I don't know if I'll out coach Hurley, but uh, I definitely I, like uh, I was talking with uh, one of my cousin about this. I think UConn. We were talking about UConn has probably one of the strongest coaching staffs in the country. Um, 
So I think like uh, where where Dan Hurley uh, Dan Hurley falls short coaching wise, I think that's where Armani Young and um, I always forget his name. <laughs> for who? The the assistant coach uh, for UConn. Oh, Bill Murray's son. Bill, yeah, Bill Murray's son. <laughs> I, don't <wanna> <laughs> but I don't want to call Bill him that. Murray's it's kind of. <laughs> but yeah, Bill Murray's son. I think that's where uh, those two two coaches will come into play. Our assistant Bill Murray play and, and yeah, <laughs> will come in and, and help early on that and that standpoint. Well, um, I, well, well, I got to imagine that Larry Nega's, um his message to the guys is you know win, dominate on situational plays. You know whether it's commanding the free throw line loose ball situations, deflections. I mean, these guys had nine steals versus Texas in the Elite Eight. I, I can imagine that they're going to be highly disruptive on the perimeter. So if if, it, if his message to his guys is make this game a fist fight and scrappy, my, my thing is with the, with, with the outcome of this game, the first team to 80 points wins. I think it's going to be a shootout regardless. Mm-hmm. But if you got to make the game ugly, I think that plays an advantage of Miami. Yeah. Well, we, already, we all know from, the, from previous tournaments that – the thing that wins, uh, you know, games in the, in the tournament is elite guard play, and I think that's some, that's one of the strengths of Miami, uh, yep. with you know Wong, um, and I think that uh, if, if they do it right, like Alex touched on before, we you know you got to be careful because they're gonna they're gonna look for the foul, and try to get us in foul trouble early, so they can command the you know the tempo and uh, really control us on the free throw line. Yeah, and also just to confirm, um, it's his name's Luke Murray. Luke Murray, that's what it is. I was trying to think of what it was. Uh, that's that's cool. That's cool. All right, guys. And then I'm now focusing on Monday's championship. Oh, can we make our picks? For, oh, for 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 the UConn or for UConn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's make it official. Who do you guys think will win? UConn versus Miami. <laughs> UConn. <laughs> <laughs> I got UConn comfortably 79-68. Awesome. And as I said, I feel the same way. I think it's going to uh, be a little closer to be – I think it will be a classic game. Let's go with 82-80. That's high. Yeah. Wow. I think it will be that They can do it. They're both offensive – you know, they're both offensive – good offensive teams. So it it could be a high-scoring game. But uh, I think that that could – it's definitely a potential – and for, and for selfish reasons, UConn <laughs> wins. I win my pool um, mathematically, <laughs> so I want to complete this. Uh, yeah, because you had them going all the way to the to the championship. Yeah, I picked them to ulti- I picked them to lose the championship, but if uh, in this bracket, if I pick them, <laughs> but if they win, I win. I win by mathematically in the pool I'm in. So, yeah, well, let us make this official. See, when he didn't lose faith in UConn, I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good thing stupid. I lost faith in UCLA. Yeah. Stu- oh, yeah. Uh, stupid me had Texas Marquette, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I think now, for the rest of the time we do shows, you know what? Go with your bias heart if you really feel it. Because we know what happens when you go with your head, too. But man, it's a great It's been a crazy tournament. It's just, you know, I'm surprised Houston got out. Uh, yeah, more surprised at Alabama. I'm not gonna lie, more surprised about Alabama just how offensively uh, good they are. You know, it, with, especially with having a high paced offense. What a um, what a correspondence. 
or what I should say, what a coincidence. Brandon Miller has a bad game and there you get out. And now, um, you know, he has a big case still above his head, but uh, he'll probably still get drafted and we'll all forget about it because that's how we are as humans. Now, regarding the championship itself, I think it's fair to say we'd like to see UConn take it. And, um, you know, we both had one side pick San Diego, one side pick FAU, or I should say two. But ultimately, if it's a UConn San Diego State championship or a UConn Fort Atlantic championship, wouldn't that be funny? Who would have thought there? But um, say that happens, though, do you think that would be an easier matchup or a more difficult, depending on the two schools? FAU, I think, will be easier matchup because of our height dominance. I think we, mm-hmm. we would pretty much shut, we would it would be easy for us to take over in the paint. But to to know uh, to to do throw a tad in there, um, Jalen or yeah, Jalen Gaffney is actually on FAU, and if <laughs> yeah. anyone knows, he was uh, yeah. one of the backup point guards for UConn or guards for UConn. Now that's a Disney movie. <laughs> so if that happens, that'll be that'll be crazy. Because if we win, then he's you know he's gonna be like, man, I should have never left. I would have won a oh. national champion. Yeah, Maybe. for real. He would have been a bench warmer too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he would have saw no pain in no time. Not with the guards we have now. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Brandon. I think if if they uh, play for Atlantic, it, they should win pretty soundly. I think far uh, bigger margin. But if they play San Diego, it'll be. It'll be tight, but they'll still prevail, um, you know, in a short order. I think that San Diego State just has too many, like, it causes too many problems on the perimeter for UConn because they got, like I said earlier, they got five guys over six and a half foot wingspan. So it's going to be a lot of disruption. It's going to be a lot of chaos um, on the offensive end. But eventually they'll get back there. They'll get their shit together and they'll win. Yeah, I think, like, the one – the one strength to San Diego is they have that three point with that team. So, which is, which is a big thing against us. I think if, if any team with a good three point game, will keep it close with us. Yep. Ultimately guys, you think by time we record next week that UConn will win its fifth national championship. What, what is that national? Like, is, I, um, for most all time. Well, while I look that up, do you ultimately think through all thick and thin, through following them for such a long time, do you think this is it, that this I UConn do. team is the one? I do. If they keep playing at the level they've been playing at throughout this whole tournament, I think they can take it. Yes. Yeah, I do too. I think just don't go too astray from your formula. Like, do what works in the first half. Make adjustments in the second half based on what the gives you, and they'll, they'll, be, they'll be fine. I think that what happens like with preparation at the highest level, like whether it's Super Bowl or it's championship series, <clears throat> I think there's too much overthinking going on. I think simplification of your offense, doing doing what works and just, you know, playing off of what the, the opponent is giving you is really just the formula. And it's just a matter of situational plays that are going to change that game, whether it's going to be mm-hmm. a 10-point win or a one-point squeak-out margin of victory or a loss. I think it's just going to come down to those 50-50 plays. Look at I that. I agree with Alex on that. And historically, they I, would – they would. oh, sorry, you're saying? No, 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 I just said I would agree with on that. I think that's the one reason why we, we kind of started to lose ourselves mid, uh, mid or mid-season was that we started to rely too much on the three-point and, uh, and, and stopped working the inside with Sunogo. 
and uh, it, it really caught up to us, and that's when we started to lose games. You just have to win two more games. That's it. Two games yeah. in three days. And if UConn wins it, that will tie them for fifth all-time. So look at that, guys. And when, I mean, if UConn wins this national championship, what are you guys going to do all next week besides <laughs> the uh, one hour to record the reaction? you got to be celebrating and partying hard, I would think. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to remember next week. <laughs> <laughs> go out to celebrate at Hartford and go to Town Square. Um, oh. Stores isn't too far. And well, I guess we're, 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 we're kind of too old for that. But at least for the... Um, <laughs> You know, the the fanfare, the parade, you, you got to be yeah. there. Oh, 100%. We're we, we going to hightail it up the stores and party with the tenderloins. Oh, <laughs> but that should do it, guys. Final Four 2023, UConn, yes. Miami, FAU, San Diego State University. Man. What a journey, guys, and uh, I can't wait to reflect on it next week, and let's have a lot of fun with it. I hope we can celebrate our state next week. Yeah. Love it, man. Hope for the best. We do. It's going to be a good time. We'll see you next week to react to the Final Four and react to the championship, guys. Thanks again. What a great show, Brandon and Alex. I don't know why you guys aren't at ESPN, Bleacher Report, Barstool, but it's better because you are here with the Productive Conversations podcast with the Productive Nation. Thank you for a great Final Four preview show. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to leave a comment and check out exclusive content regarding this show across all our social media platforms, whether it's Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod, or on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Or look me up, Matt Brown on Facebook with with all your productive conversations content and yeah final four is here and somebody who grew up in connecticut i just hope that uh it's a special day because you know we know how big a fan alex and brandon are and i've always had a lot of love for yukon i really have and I pretty much remember every national championship with the exception of the one in 99. I wasn't watching college basketball then as a four or five-year-old, so I missed that one. But this place is pretty cool, and you know, people have various opinions about the state of Connecticut, but you can't take away our pride for the Yukon Huskies, and they bring a lot of pride to this state. And all I got to say is bring it home, Yukon. Get that fifth national championship. Bring some smiles as we head into spring and be an ultimate distraction for us. I believe in you guys. This team looks as good as it gets. And just two more wins. And let us see you guys cut the nets, hold that trophy in the air, and just 
put a big smile on the state of Connecticut. We are back tomorrow with a special Friday edition of the Productive Conversations podcast. That's right. We are dropping on Friday. We are previewing WrestleMania. Ryan Page and AJ the Man are coming to join us. And this, WrestleMania goes Hollywood. WrestleMania 39 with some matches that will fucking get you out of your seat and make you go, holy fucking shit. This is going to be one great WrestleMania, and I can't wait to break down every single match, get us excited for the weekend ahead, and make a case why wrestling is cool again. So WWE's WrestleMania Preview Podcast is coming at you tomorrow, so we will see you then. Thank you to Brandon Gutierrez and Alex Ranelia for contributing to this Final Four preview. Thank you to Alex DeJesus for what he does as the associate producer of this show, and thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, the production nation for always supporting us and always giving us something to talk about we love each and every single one of you and we can't wait to keep on creating great content for you my name is matt brown i am the host of the productive conversations podcast and i'll see you on friday for a special Wrestlemania podcast. Until then, have a great day, everybody, and I'll see you soon. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Peace! All she needed was some...